you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth This week, we are taking yet another break from our Designer Spotlight series to dive in with one of our premium members. Andrew Koftiel is here with his boyfriend, or is it now fiance? Boyfriend, fiance? Partner. 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 Oh, excuse me. His name is Robert Fry. There we go. And I just got warm. I just got very warm because you hate to put a ring on it before somebody else does. (laughs) That's okay. Okay. You know... I actually think getting a house together is a much bigger commitment than yeah. having the ring. Let's be real. Um, yeah. So <laughs> you guys oh. are committed to four walls, if not fully. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Whatever. Okay, good. Well, so Andrew, full disclosure, not only are you a premium member, but I know you from college. Yes. We went to McAllister College together in Minnesota. We did. We had a lot of fun. We had a ton awesome. of fun. Let's not talk too much about the fun. Okay, let's get serious. (laughs) No, I just don't want all my secrets out there. All the... No, 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 right, no. You weren't that much fun. You were always really serious, really focused on design, definitely. I wasn't actually that much fun. Okay. You were fun. You always were really cool. I remember you had an apartment in like downtown Minneapolis and you'd have dinner parties and I was like, she's sophisticated. She's like in the other Twin City... And you had like a really cute apartment. It was, no, you were always very cosmopolitan. I appreciate that. I was, that. I was. Yes. And you know, my entire apartment in downtown Minneapolis was decorated with items I found from the dollar store Ooh. and from Savers. Do you remember Savers on like what? Lake or Lindale or something? No. What was Savers? It was like this Kmart sized consignment store Ooh. that had everything from 70s clothes, which I wore almost exclusively. And yeah. I did not go to college in the 70s. So there we go. That was a statement. <laughs> and it had housewares. And I used like old shower curtains for drapes. Just everything tacky and cheap you could think of. And I just saw on Facebook that they're closing this week. Oh, and I thought about sad. buying a round trip ticket to Savers. Oh. I know, I know. Just to say goodbye. Just to kiss R. the R. colored tags. Huh? 
R.I.P. Savers. R.I.P. Savers. You'll always be <laughs> alive in my heart. Anyway, um, so I wasn't as stylish as you might assume. But we've got someone new joining us, someone that I didn't go to a kegger with. His name is Robert. So Robert, tell us about yourself. Hi, yes. I'm Andrew's partner, and I uh, have been living in California with Andrew for a couple years. And we just bought a house in Oakland. And it's keeping us very busy. And when we're not working on the house, I'm either tutoring middle school and high school students or trying to finish writing my dissertation for my doctorate. Oh my gosh. So you guys are busy. Because Andrew, tell me what you're doing now. I mean, of course, I keep up with you on Facebook, but that's not a real, real catch up. Okay. So what am I doing? I am, I worked in higher education because I was obsessed with colleges forever for about 12 years. And then I decided um, I wanted to change. And I started working in UX design or design thinking, working for a consulting firm called Cooper. And uh, Cooper was acquired by a much larger company called Wipro. Um, and now I work for Wipro. It's a 180,000 person uh, company based out of India. Um, but we have a large US presence. And I help to lead their US marketing efforts. Awesome. Okay, cool. Look it's how really far awesome. we've come. Yeah, we get to go to India, and uh, which was which is awesome, and it's a, just an amazing uh, opportunity. I really, really enjoyed it. Cool. Well, that yeah. sounds very jet-setting and exciting. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, and when we're talking about <laughs> Oakland, we're talking about Oakland, California. You're right. Yeah, right close to San Francisco. We moved from San Francisco, which is 10 miles away. Okay. All right. So this new place looks awesome. I've seen the pictures that you sent and you initially reached out to me because you were having a tile dilemma. And I said, Andrew, let's hop on the phone. No, wait a second. Let's hop on the podcast. So here you are. And so tell me a little bit about this tile dilemma. And then of course, when you get a house, the questions and potential problems just pile on top of each other. So we have questions beyond the tile that we'll get to as well. All right. So kicking it off, talk to me. Okay, so yeah, we bought a real fixer-upper, um, we, and we bought this house because we wanted more space, wanted a backyard, wanted a garage, but there's a lot of work that needs to get done. Our first project is redoing our main bathroom, and uh, right now, uh, the bathroom is oriented in a really awkward way, uh, and we're going to shift it to a more traditional layout, so it's a 6 by 10 room, you walk in, there's a 48-inch vanity, there's uh, next to that a toilet a standard size or elongated size, and then a tub, a five-foot tub. Um, so we have really nice tiles that we feel very confident about from Heath uh, for the floors and for the area around the shower and tub basin, um, which are a, a vertical stacked uh, sage green tile from Heath, pretty neutral um, with a little twist. And then we have we bought tiles from Clay, C-L-E, um, that we found online, uh, they were, uh, overstock, um, and they're hexagonal, um, Kelly green tiles with some lines. Um, and we want to do an accent wall, uh, with those tiles, uh, behind the vanity and the toilet area. Um, and so when you enter to the right, um, and it's a little bit, uh, intimidating when I looked at it, I was like, wait, there's like kind of, you know, these lines on there. I don't know how to lay these out. So I, um, started Googling, of course, Reddit and Quora and all these sites. And there really wasn't any guidance that I could find um, that would tell me how to do this. Uh, yeah, because, and, uh, yeah. 
just to describe what it looks like. So it is a hexagonal tile, but it's got this interesting sort of partial starburst, right? Or it almost looks like a little flashlight with its beams pointing only in one direction, which starts at one corner of the hexagonal and goes to the other side. You could think of it as like, what is that? A Spider-Man web from like his hand? Like a yeah, they out. call it talons is what they call Ta it. Oh, yes. It does look like a little duck foot or a talon. Yeah, I guess that yeah. foot doesn't sound so high end. Okay, um, and I can see the question about this. Now, one thing that came to mind as you were discussing where you were going to put it is you mentioned you were going to put it behind the sink and behind mm -hmm. the toilet. And I'm looking now at your floor plan, and mm -hmm. that is the wall that you see when you first walk in. You know, we walk mm -hmm. in the door at a diagonal. So whenever you're thinking of a focal wall, you want it to be something that's quite conspicuous. You want it to steal focus, right? It's going to mm -hmm. be cool. My only concern with putting it there, and it really is a fairly minimal concern, is that you're also going to have a very large mirror, you know, because most people, you have a double sink here, double vanity, so you'll either have one mirror or two. It is going to take away from okay. that look. But you still have plenty of room above the toilet. And then what are you going to do in the tub in terms of behind the shower? Is the entire three sides of the shower surround going to be that vertical tile? Yes, so we're okay. going to do those uh, vertically stacked, exactly um, rectangular, light sage tiles. So if I could challenge something, and you know that's that's what I love to do. If I could challenge something, it would be the placement of that tile. I'm just worried you're not going to really see it. Okay, okay. Because mm -hmm. I could see if you were taking it all the way through the tub area, but even that feels a little disjointed to me, depending on if you're doing a shower curtain or a glass door. Sure. Okay, um, I would be more inclined, and I'm just going to throw this out here, you know, whenever you're making a renovation decision, you want to think about it for more than three minutes. Mm -hmm. But I would be inclined with my three-minute assessment to consider it as the floor. Interesting. Because it's going to be roughly the same square footage, just from eyeballing, depending on if you have eight-foot ceilings. Yeah. So you're going to be buying roughly the same amount of tile and it won't be lost behind that mirror. Additionally, the mirror could really add some presence, mm -hmm. right? And if you do pick a cool mirror, it's really going to compete. So if you were going to put this tile on the wall, I would want it to be quite simplistic. Okay. Um, so I just think that the floor is a place where this will get a lot of gravitas visually. Now, of course, keep in mind, we will have a bath mat, right? So that might detract somewhat, but you probably won't have a mat in front of the double vanities considering that door swing is right there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, that's just my two things. I don't think we're bath mat people, so I don't necessarily think we'll have a bath mat. What? What are you going to do? What about <laughs> we don't, those drips? We didn't use, I know, it's a good question. We didn't use a bath mat in our other place, though. But maybe we'll change. Do you squeegee <laughs> before you exit the shower? I don't know what we do. <laughs> because, you know, full disclosure, I just had to throw away my bath mat because the rubber backing was leaving stuff on my tile, right? So I was like, you're not going to, don't mess with my tile. You got to go. And it's yeah. taken two weeks on Wayfair for me to get my replacement. Uh -huh. And so it's been a rough two weeks. I've been putting down hand towels. I've been <laughs> dripping all over the floor. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good point. Maybe we'll reconsider. But uh, this, you're, you're welcome to our life because we don't really use that. <laughs> wow. Well, you just blew my mind. So anyway, I think that it's just something to okay. think about. And I do think, you know, you mentioned that it's very hard to find feedback on this tile. And um, 
And so, of course, you could Google and see how other people have used this tile. And you did ultimately do that between signing up for this delightful call with me and actually getting on the call. And I think that was just right, the way that they did it in that starburst. So kind of connecting the duck feet so that it makes a circular starburst type shape is the way to go. Because if you do it in one direction or the other, these directional tiles, even less directional tiles like a wood grain, really show your eye where to go and can be quite visually dominating. So you have to think very critically about the way you're angling these tiles. So in my mind, you would either do it totally haphazard, catch as catch can, which feels weird, and then people are going to be looking for a pattern, right? Mm -hmm. Or you do it in this starburst, which I think is really the only way to do it, frankly. Because putting them all to the left or all to the right is weird but you mentioned a solution that you had thought of you know we try not to talk too much before the show because there's so much gold in every (laughs) sentence and every idea but you guys had a really good idea which was to lay it down first so put it Mm -hmm. put it down on the floor lay it in the pattern that you're thinking of and if you don't like it try it a different way i think that's really the way to go what do you think of the tile overall how long are you going to be in this new home guys look in your crystal ball Five years. Solid five? Five plus. Because, you know, anything under five to seven, you should be thinking about resale value. Anything Mm -hmm. over seven, between seven and ten, is going to be dated no matter what you choose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You also want to think about who lives in this area, who the potential buyer would be. If Mm -hmm. it's going to be someone like you guys, someone artistic and open and, you know, looking to have a little bit of fun and make a statement versus someone quite traditional or someone very classic, because this is a tile that's going to have a lot of presence Mm -hmm. because it does have those directional lines. It does have that bold color. I do like, especially, you know, we want to be thinking about different people living here green is a color that can cast a pallor on skin that makes you look a little sickly so if this Mm -hmm. would be a room where someone would be doing makeup Mm -hmm. you know it's not going to show them what they really look like it's going to cast a pallor especially on a wall that faces the mirror okay so that's something to think about whenever i'm thinking green in a bathroom or bedroom it doesn't make your skin look as sexy as it could Right. You look a little sickly with the green glow. That being said, it's, you're not using a high dose. This isn't going everywhere, this Kelly green. Mm-hmm. And I do think the sage green tiles that are vertical and going really through much more of the space, those are very subtly sage. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like a blush of sage, right? So I wouldn't even classify those as a strong green. It's okay. like a neutral with a hint of green, if I'm understanding them correctly from right. the pictures. Yes. So, yeah, so I guess it's just that resale that I'm concerned about. But, you know, today I was chatting with one of my designers, Jeannie, and she was saying, just put in what you love. Just do it. It's worth it. And you know what I said to her? I said, okay, Jeannie, that's all well and good if you can eat 20000 Because, guys, you're going to eat 20000 off the resale value. Like, people really do want turnkey. People in your area are busy. You guys wanted to fix her upper, but that's rare. Yeah. yeah. So are you willing to eat 20000 to have the tile of your dreams? Well, one thing that is, uh, you know, interesting about the area and where the crystal ball becomes a little bit murky is that there's just so much, 
you know, there's so much dynamism in the Bay Area just in terms of the work people are doing and the economy and the amount of money they have to spend on homes. And in five to seven years, it's, you know, I mean, five years ago or seven years ago, who would have thought that there would be all these people who are about to become millionaires from, you know, the work they're doing at companies like called you and Andrew. Lyft and Pinterest <laughs> that we couldn't even have thought of seven years ago in 2012. Well, so, I think that's also a really good question is, you know, looking at your area in terms of the market. And that's why I think when you're making these big renovation decisions, you should also consult a real estate agent because they mm. have that forward thinking mentality when it comes to buyers. They've got that longer view. Mm-hmm. And so that might be another person you consult with because I'm basically approaching it from a design standpoint and they're coming at it from many different angles. Really good advice. I appreciate that. Speaking of advice, before we move on to your other questions, have we covered the tile? Is there anything else we want to talk about? Because I want you guys to be able to put this in with confidence. I like the idea of uh, putting it on the floors. And I think that laying us laying it out ourselves and doing just a sort of like mock-up for ourselves on the floor in another room will probably be really helpful. Yep. Uh, you know, once we just once we have it delivered for me, it's, you know, one thing I've learned just from the process of uh, just getting the tile and everything else for uh, the bathroom is it sort of confirmed a suspicion that I had, which was that, you know, ordering things without seeing them in real life would be challenging. There's you know, for me, there's like a tactility or, a, you know, seeing something in real life, it becomes much easier to really envision, well, to, ex- you know, to know how I respond to it. Yep. And... Well, and I think with the renovation, it's vital. It's vital yeah. to see those tiles, to touch that countertop, because there's so much more on the line. It's not like a lamp that you got from Overstock or a duvet that you got from West Elm where it's only going to be around for six months. And if you hate it, what's the investment lost? 80 bucks? This, Mm -hmm. there's a lot on the line. And it's not just money. If only it were just money, guys. But it's also labor, like managing someone to do this. I mean, finding good help around here where I live in Westchester is, you know, I'm willing to pay. Like, just show up. Just show up. (laughs) So it's so much more complex and there's so much more on the line. Nobody's going to be impacting your resale value because you chose a different lamp. So I just think it's really vital to touch these things. Certainly you can order a sample online. You can get a couple pieces sent to your home, but you really need to see it. You can't just be wowed with it on Pinterest. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. Lesson learned. Yeah, there's so many nuances. You know, is it a shiny glaze? Is there any differentiation in the glaze? Or is it totally flat and machine glazed? These tiny subtle differences. And speaking of subtle differences, I didn't see in your notes, even though it may be there, grout color. Have you given thought? Because the grout you would do on the walls would be different than the grout you would do on the floors, in my estimation. We got a grout that they recommended for the tile. Um, But which color? Which color? Color. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, like a whitish, like a light, light whitish. Cause the I, color uh-huh. is called avalanche. 
Wonderful. Yeah, there's so much subtlety with grout, but the color and shade of your grout, how deep it is, what color it is, completely impacts how you see the tile. And I mm. think that that is under-talked about. Mm. It's, it's not emphasized enough in these tile stores. It's hard to show that difference. But basically, if you were putting it on the wall, I would go with the whitish type tile that mm. will make these tiles really pop. And if you were putting it on the ground, I'm hesitant to do white grout because it tends to get a little bit dirtier with feet. And then okay. you can see the parts that are white and the parts that aren't white. And just to be completely upfront, you know, the person before me in my home had white grout tiles. You know, the mm. tiles weren't white, but the grout was. And around the toilet, the grout is not white. Thank Ew. you to my young children. And, yeah. you know, in the other areas, it is white. And that differentiation yeah. is not yeah. ideal. So getting something that's not pure white, I think, is key on the floor. Okay. That's really helpful. I we appreciate We just went that. there, guys. We totally go there. Urine on the floor. <laughs> yeah. What's in the shower? Who's dripping where? Yeah. Okay. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Let's take it to something that's a little bit less controversial. Let's take it to the pictures you sent of your space. So tell me, the first comment that you mentioned, even though, of course, we can go in a different order, was the mantle. Yes, we we have um we inherited, you know, a fireplace um, with a oh kind of a kooky design. I sent it to you. I don't know how to how would you describe it, sweetie? Um, that's a great question. How would how it it has like these little images on it that are like there's a flamingo it's a little kitsch there's like um a uh image of like the i think the palace of fine arts that well, are yeah kitschy now maybe but i think it is um after talking with one of our neighbors across the street i think these were the original fireplaces i think they're you know poured from concrete and so there are um some like three built-in illustrations. There's one sort of at the apex of the cutout for the fire, and then there's one on either side. And at the apex, it's a um, it's a little reproduction that we think is of the Palace of Fine Arts, an old building in San Francisco. And on either side is a 
Flamingo. As you do. As you do. Well, you know, when I first saw it, I didn't get the sense that it was poured concrete. It felt like tiles that had been painted over. Okay, maybe they're you tiles. Know, like textured tile that had, they just took some paint and went like this. You know, the exciting play, thing about this, and I didn't really get into the era of your home at the top because we, you know, you had such a strong direction with the bathroom already. But tell me more about this home. Tell me, we've heard about you guys. Now let's hear about the third person living here. I always love to personify homes. Let's hear about this sweet little home. Well, uh, we know that the home was built in 1927, and I think most of the homes on the street were built at that time, or around that time. The street is just two blocks long, and it's named for a, the street is named for a uh, like a member of a member of the Union Army who moved out to California. Uh, uh, in the subsequent years in the 19th century. And he married into like a prominent, I believe, ranching family. And then he went on to found a couple of different cities in the Bay Area. Oh, cool. Um, it's a lot of... Uh, it's like bungalow style. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a bungalow. It almost has a, I would say, like a Southern California feel to it, more than a traditional Northern California um, feel to it. But it, they're like kind of cozy bungalows they're very it's very bright which yep. we love about the house yeah. there's windows yeah. everywhere um it's just like a the, the rooms are actually fairly spacious i mean the front room i think would i would say it's probably like 14 by 16 something like that um yeah because yeah. it's seeing... built into the hill it's built into a hill so there's really two levels um you walk up about 10 steps from the street to get to the entryway and on the entry level is the living space, the kitchen, the dining room, the living room. And then um, you ascend about six more stairs to get to the bedrooms and the bathroom. And yep. it's, it's almost like because you enter on essentially like a second level, it's almost like you're in a tree house. Yeah, you're up high. Like up with the trees in the main parlor room. And when I do like a a Skype call from that room, people are like, oh, I see all those trees behind you. So it's, um, it is, it's nice on that level. That's fun. Yeah. Because you know, what's so interesting to me about this image is, you know, the flooring has some inlaid detail with the framing around the built-in. There are built-ins. The paint seems to be a very light white color. Chantilly so, lace. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Yes. And then also the hearth on the floor, you know, this in front of the fireplace is also white. So the thing that's bothering me about this is not the flamingos, believe it or not. It's the lost opportunity to make the fireplace a feature. You know, back okay. in 1927 when this was built, that was the focal point, right? That's what everybody was looking at, gathering around. Nowadays, it's the flat screen. Maybe not for you guys, but certainly at my house. Um, so it just feels like this original focal point has kind of been made to blend in with everything else and kind of recede into the background. And it once at one time had personality. I mean, these flamingos are are not bashful, right? Even though they look a little <laughs> sleepy, they're not bashful. That's a strong statement. And I just wish that this fireplace had that presence again because it's a really cool feature, especially in California where it gets chilly, where you guys are, where it'll be fun to cozy up. And it just feels forgotten. 
I'm wondering if there's a way we can make it a little bit cooler quickly. You know, Mm -hmm. my first thought would be to, um, I don't think in the current state these frescoes are really coming across well. I think either they've been painted over too much or the original concrete has lost its dimension with the shadowing because it's all been painted white, that it's time to let them go. Mm-hmm. because stripping paint off of whatever this is is going to be really not worth it for you. Mm-hmm. So I would look into getting this covered up, getting it covered up with some tile. Great. Yeah, and I think that will be relatively affordable. I mean, you're going to have contractors in your house anyway with the um, work in the bathroom. Just yeah. do a little bit more work up here. And I would also tile this hearth. Now, I can't tell if that's also made from concrete. It looks like it might be. Our contractor doesn't actually know if that can come out or not. He's going to do some excavation work to determine that because our instinct was actually to take the hearth out. Well, the, my concern about that is that mm-hmm. it's raised a little bit already, the firebox. It's, it mm-hmm. seems like that raised platform of the hearth was already there originally. It doesn't seem like it was an add-on. So yeah. I would think about keeping that just to save some money because also you're not going to have hardwood floors underneath. So you're going to have to then restain the entire floor. I don't know if that was in your budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ripping this out yeah. is going to cause more trouble than it's worth. And you're going to have then the opening for the fireplace is going to be somewhat impacted. I would rather you just do something on top of it. What do you think of fish scale tiles? The mer- they're mermaid tiles. They're uh, They're kind of like rounded on the top. They almost look like... Oh, Bam. yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Um, Sorry, it took me a second to get there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I recently saw this amazing fish scale wallpaper. And um, anyway, uh, so now it's all coming back to me. I'm applying that to the tile and imagining it's the same thing. So it's kind of these scallops, right? Yes, scallops. <clears throat> Well, yeah. So what you want to do here is these two tiles need to be considered together. You would use a different tile on the hearth than you would on okay. the fireplace surround. And the thing about those scalloped or fish scale tiles is that they tend to be small-ish, right? They tend to be, you know, four by four at most. Mm -hmm. The ones I'm kind of thinking of are more like two to four inches. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be too small here. I think that's going to feel like a backsplash. I think we need to go with a mid-sized tile. I think we did see one that was in the eight-inch range. Oh, okay. Well, the other thing we have to think about mm-hmm. is that there's lots of curves with that. And there's not lots of curves here. So they're going to be cut a lot, right? right? Both mm-hmm. on the sides, at the top. Yes. So I'd almost yes. rather you go with something that is more rectilinear in nature so those cuts okay. aren't so jarring to the pattern. Mm-hmm. You won't be able to wrap that around nicely. You won't be able to round out the fireplace opening without spending a lot. So I would go for something that more naturally goes with those cuts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. That's um, helpful. But I and would cover it up. I would yeah. cover it up. And I would cover up that hearth. Would and you I, cover up all the way to the ceiling or just around the fireplace? Well, the problem is I only have a picture really closely zoomed in of the fireplace. So I can't okay. see what's above it. I can't see what's around it. I okay. like the idea of building it out. You might then lose the mantle, right? Okay. If you do one strong statement all the way up and build it out, you're going to lose the mantle. Now, that's okay for a lot of people because mm-hmm. mantles can be tchotchkeville. 
I'm mm-hmm. kind of seeing a little bit of Trotskyville between the mantle and the windowsills. Uh, and that's not my favorite thing. So yes. whenever you can eliminate an opportunity for clutter, I like to. But uh-huh. I'd want you to have a really strong reason. And the other thing I think about is like, where am I continuing this type of texture or type of idea somewhere else? So a lot of people do stone all the way up, right? That stone mm-hmm. type look. But where mm-hmm. is that going to be reflected in something else in the home? Be it's it, important to have some re- repetition somewhere else. Well, you don't want it to feel like a singular feature that doesn't have any resonance with anything else. And right okay. now, any kind of rustic quality does not remind me of what I saw in your bathroom choices. Okay. It felt, I mean, I only saw two bathroom choices, two tiles, yeah. but yeah, it yeah. feels a little bit more clean and mid-century and fun and less mm-hmm. like rustic. So you just want to be really clear about your visual intention. Okay. And, you know, Robert had mentioned that this space kind of opens up and then there's a kitchen and a dining area. So you want to think about the features that are in those rooms. Like what kind of tile is featured in the kitchen? Mm-hmm. Not that you have to use the same, but if there's beige, granite in there, do we want to go beige in here instead of gray? If I can see the fireplace from the kitchen, you know, it's all got to really talk to each other. It's like a family. You want them to feel like cousins, that they're related. That's right. That's right. I never thought of it in that way. But um, it's like a really functional family versus that dysfunctional family where you're like, where did that uncle come from? What's going on with that guy? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think just that harmony or that intention, because sometimes people get so excited when they buy a new space. I'm going to make all my design dreams come true. I'm going to use my favorite hexagonal tile in my bathroom. I'm going to use my favorite fish scale tile on the fireplace. Instead of thinking about how's all this coming together? Mm -hmm. Is it all looking like it's in one space or is it looking like I took my favorite things and put them in a scrapbook? Yeah. Which feels a little random, a little flea market, a little grandma's house where everything has been well loved, but maybe not totally thought out. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I appreciate that. So I think I would get some bigger picture ideas for your entire home. How do I want this entire home to flow when I can afford that perfect sofa? How is it going to look with these tiles? You know, getting that larger view and then filling in piece by piece as you have the time, energy, money. Great. Thank you. Uh, Any other questions about the fireplace? And then I think we have time for one more question. I think we're good. I appreciate it Um, on the fireplace. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you have uh, that you want to ask? Me? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, Ask me anything. So crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I hate being put on the spot. Um, What was that? I can dive in. I yeah, can dive in. On well, we ha- one thing we haven't done is yeah, we haven't yeah. uh, we don't have a scheme at all for our office right now. It's just a bunch of files on the floor. We have a small square room uh, with a window um, on one side. I'm not sure where to place the desk. I'm not sure where to start with that room. To be honest, the, the nothing that we have in there is necessarily um, that something that we want to keep. Right. So, um, so that, you know, that room, um, the little office, I just, I'd love any ideas you have for like how to get started. Um, because it just, I, we know we want a standing desk and that's about it. Yeah. And my, my ideal would actually be to get a standing desk that is like, um, 
something, you know, that we would affix to the wall and maybe it's built from like a beautiful piece of wood and there's like a couple, you know, of adjustable levels. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, I prefer not to be like sitting for a long time when I'm working from home, writing at home. Right. And also we have so many other spaces in the house where we can you know, if we need to spread out a bunch of papers or something to pay bills or whatever, can right. do that in the kitchen or the dining room already. So kind um, of having so, a different desk experience yeah. than a table and chair. Yeah, that's sort of that's what I know for sure about the office. And then also, you know, the room gets wonderful light throughout the whole day. Um and so I guess for me, the ideal would be more to have like, because I'm an academic, you know, a, a nice place to sit and read or take notes um, and also to, um, you know, a, a nice, I mean, to have extra space to store materials, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, uh, just like domestic related stuff for me and Andrew, like our records and right. whatnot, or whether it's some extra stuff for work for either one of us. Those are sort of my priorities for this space we're calling the office. Okay. And it seems like you're going to work here quite a bit, considering you're working on your dissertation. This I is... work from home too, so yeah. Oh, interesting. At the same time? You guys work from home at the same time? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I also go out. I, I do like to go out uh, to write. Yeah. I'll write at a library or a cafe. And then the work I do as a tutor takes me out of the house as mm-hmm. well. Um, one other thing that I should or that is worth mentioning is that um, Andrew does a lot of work calls from home. And since we are in our renovation planning on removing some of the walls um sort of you know on the entry level between like the living room the dining room and the kitchen uh, i think that you know the office might also be good for phone calls and video calls since it will have a door that can be closed right it's going to be one of the few spaces that's going to be more isolated yes so definitely some are comfortable to sit Okay. Although not necessarily a desk, while uh, either one of us is making, you know, calls for work. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I have a sense. Well, the first thing that you want to do is you want to prioritize these functions. So we have desk, we have comfortable seating, and we have storage, right? Those are the three functions I heard. And in order of priority, I think that's how they go. Desk, chair, storage, right? So we want to first think about the placement of that desk. If it is going to be a place where you guys are working quite often, if it is going to be a place where you guys are working on important projects, then you want it to be in the power position according to feng shui. You want it to be in a place where you can clearly see the main point of access, either from your periphery or straight on. You want to be able to see the door. So you wouldn't want to put your back facing the door because it will be harder for you to feel in control to have a good workflow, and that eliminates having it on 
the wall to the left, according to my pictures, right? But I don't. I only have one picture, so I don't have a clear sense. But then it also would probably eliminate, based on this picture that I have, putting Mm -hmm. it in front of the windows. And I would eliminate that anyway, because of course it's a standing desk that you want to move up and down, which would block the windows. But also the thing that would be bad is that you're looking at the sunlight. You mentioned a lot of light comes in while you're looking at a monitor. And that's Mm -hmm. not great for your eyes. You don't want to put, you know, a lamp right on top of your computer. You'd be staring at two light sources, which is not very comfortable. I think putting the desk, you know, in a good position, either facing the door or on the same wall as the door so I can see it out of my periphery. Then the next thing that you want to think about is that chair, because it sounds like the chair is going to get quite a bit of use, that comfortable place where I can hang out. Maybe you'll even move over that chair to use as a desk chair if you lower that tabletop to desk height sometimes, because this room does seem small. I mean, I've only got one picture, but I can see three quarters of the room. And so that's telling me that you need to maximize these pieces. So if that chair could be comfortable, but structured enough that if I did want that table at desk height I could do that I think that that would be a nice mix right so that probably means upholstered it probably means no wheels but it probably means not overstuffed mm-hmm. and then the storage I mean this seems like it's going to be your personal oasis this is not going to be an office that's on display so some can be open shelving some can be closed cabinets It sounds to me, if you're talking about personal documents, we're talking about files, you know, like back taxes, all that fun stuff as I'm doing taxes right now. Oh my God. Just saying that word has made me like really feel stressed. Rip off the bandaid. Oh my God. Well, you know, I'm even just sending it to somebody else. I'm not even doing it myself. Sending it to someone else is so stressful. Is that it's just me? still a lot of work. It's still, it my, my accountant though is like, more work, more. He's just like, you know, it's like a boot camp or something. I feel it like that's like what he's boot doing. Camp. And I for know. those of us who have a business, I have to do boot camp four times a year uh, with sales tax. <laughs> and it's like every time I just count on the days. I need to like book a massage. Okay, let's keep going. So, you know, you can make that storage whatever's really functional for you. But what I would recommend is getting a hallelujah moment. And the hallelujah moment is one piece that solves a lot of these problems. So whether it has open shelving on the top and a cabinet on the bottom, whether it's all one large cabinet, it's going to be so much more useful to you than having one bookcase in the corner, one cabinet on the other while... Basically, these medium to small size band-aids that you're pasting all over this tiny room to accommodate new storage needs. So you want to think about not just what storage needs you have now, but what you're going to have in five years, you know, Mm. when your book is out, when you're teaching those classes, when you have your cabillion dollar startup, right? You're going to have to think in the future. Great. All right, guys. Well, now that we've totally designed your house, I hope that you're feeling inspired and not overwhelmed. No, we're feeling very inspired. And I can't wait to take some photos and put them up on Instagram and share with you how we've applied your ideas to our reality. Awesome. Well, make sure to tag Affordable Interior Design. And also make sure to just email me. I am me. We're friends. We're friends. Do people IM or is it DM now? Uh, I don't know. We're too old. I'm 40, so I, I don't know. I know, me any- too. Well, PM, <laughs> DM, or I am me. Yeah. <laughs> ICQ. ICQ. You don't remember that from back in the day? In the 90s, we used to use ICQ for messaging. 
You were too cool with your 70s stuff in Minneapolis. No, no, no. I used like a carrier pigeon. Whatever they had at Savers, like one of those notepads from the fridge. I just... (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it's been a pleasure walking down memory lane. Thank you. We we really enjoyed it. And uh, we'll hopefully show you in person one day when you come to the Bay Area. Yes, I would love to. Okay. Well, until then, guys, happy designing and stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you, Betsy. Talk to you soon. Bye. And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out. Follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.